panoramic lifestyle clothing. Hey, look alive! Everything lights up, makes you want to shout. Talk about happiness, that's what we're talking about. You'll look great in a panoramic lifestyle t-shirt. No matter what brings you happiness, but we know will. Come on now, smile, get happy. Order your t-shirt today at plclothing.store. plclothing.store. Sunday Digest, an award-winning public affairs presentation of 99.5 WGAR. Get ready for a half hour of interesting conversation with veteran Cleveland broadcaster Ken Robinson. And now, here's Ken and Sunday Digest. And thanks for tuning in to Sunday Digest today. Hey, file your tax return yet? Well, the government has an easy way for you to do that. Also, we're going to hear about an easy way to read people's personalities. How about that? But first on Sunday Digest, a movement is underway in Ohio to end the so-called commuter tax. A group called No Taxation Without Representation is collecting petition signatures in hopes of putting a measure on the November ballot to prevent commuters from being taxed for working in one community while living in another. Joining us is Bill Moran of No Taxation Without Representation. Now, Bill, you believe people should only pay local income taxes where they live. Why do you feel this way? find out that the state of Ohio is one of a few states in the in the country that actually allow non-residents to be taxed. We find out that the state legislatures have exempted themselves and the aides from having to pay the tax. We find out that there's a tremendous burden imposed upon small business and the trade associations as far as roofers, as far as carpenters uh, that are saddled with paying taxes in five or six different cities, mu- municipalities. Basically, you feel it's unfair to tax people for living in one community and working in another. Right. I mean, it is backwards. You should pay your income tax, earnings tax, to the jurisdiction with which you live. And in the state of Ohio, uh, a lot of them uh, give you credit where you live for the taxes that you pay where you work, and you should be supporting the community where you live and vote. It is very unfair. The principle of it is you have no say on the rate of taxation, you have no say on the elected officials, and you have absolutely no say on how the uh, individuals are being, or how the money's being spent. So, and then if you should use an ambulance in many cities throughout the state of Ohio, you're going to have to pay uh, a non-resident fee for ambulance. If you want to use their amenities, you have to pay a non-resident fee. Uh, a lot of cities in the state of Ohio are going to benefit from this because right now they have a commuter tax base, and therefore when this passes, uh, there's going to be a windfall to those cities and villages uh, where they have a greater population by night than they do by day. Wouldn't that penalize cities like Cleveland, where a lot of people work in the city but live in the suburbs? Wouldn't the city lose a lot of tax revenue? Uh, it's not a penalty. Uh, shouldn't sit, uh, the Cleveland be focusing on quality of life issues, and would it change their thinking if they uh, uh, had to um, try and encourage a residential tax base? And therefore, are they going to decide how they're going to spend their money a little different? And would the residents take a little more active role? The city's providing jobs, and it's making it possible for people to live in the suburbs and and live a nice life in the suburbs. Shouldn't the city be compensated for that? Well, the cities are compensated. They do have the uh, tax base uh, from those jobs. No, I don't think uh, 
that argument holds because uh, some of that was their own doing. And number two, the uh, resident uh, or the, the non-resident going into those jobs is spending a lot of money within Cleveland uh, supporting their commerce that way. So I think there's a benefit to having that uh, uh, commuter uh, by day, so to speak. Uh, you have to realize that we're one of the few states that actually allows a non-commuter tax. So there's a lot of big cities that uh, uh, have survival uh, just fine without uh, uh, an earnings tax. And, you know, all of Florida, all of Texas. Texas doesn't even have uh, – they, they now they have state taxes or income taxes for cities. Wow. Yeah. And uh, Chicago. No, there's no non-resident earnings tax in Chicago. Well, do you think this uh, movement is going to gather steam, and will it be on the uh, November ballot? I think people in the state of Ohio uh, recognize that they're not getting their money worth for where they're working and paying that earnings tax, and the fact that the communities that are reaping the benefits from this unfair tax are basically dropping their local property taxes basically means that uh, the non-resident is not only paying for his own community, but he's also paying for other communities. And uh, so we're going to put this money back into the non-resident's pocket. It should help the economy that way. It should also help them as far as knowing, uh, you know, there's a mental attitude of knowing that you're being taxed fairly in this state of Ohio and in this country. And I think it should uh, motivate people uh, to get involved. If, uh, if we can do this as a ballot initiative, maybe there won't be such apathy at the polls. Well, thanks again. Thank you, Ken. All righty. Okay. Bye now. Bill Moran of No Taxation Without Representation, who feels it's unfair to tax people where they work. He says they should only be taxed where they live. But disagreeing with that position is the mayor of Lorraine. Craig Fulton joins us now. Mayor Fulton, you believe Bill Moran's proposal would economically cripple cities like Lorraine? It would have a very negative impact on the city of Lorraine because we're a highly... Uh, manufacturing type area with the steel mill Ford plant and many spin-offs of that we have many people who live outside the city of Lorraine who pay taxes in the city of Lorraine so it would be a uh, take quite a chunk out of our general operations if that amendment were to pass do you think the city could recover that uh, chunk of uh, taxes in some way it would be very difficult to do um, even if we recovered a portion of it, it it would certainly negatively impact the ability to provide the citizens the same level of services they've been used to in the past. Now, you've been, uh, uh, you, you've run the auditor's office, right? Mm-hmm. So you're, you're probably pretty well familiar about <laughs> taxation issues, I would imagine. Right. I, I have a, uh, I was the former auditor here in Lorraine for seven years, and I also have a accounting and CPA background, so I'm familiar with uh, the, the impact that of the dollars and cents that that would make on the city of Lorraine. And it, it would be very, very difficult. If you look at the, our basic statistics of Lorraine, about 65% of our revenue comes from our income tax. And I would say about 20 to 25% off the top of my head probably comes from people who live outside the city of Lorraine. So taking a 20 to 25% hit on your general fund revenue would certainly spell hard times for the city of Lorraine. Now, what about residents uh, who live in suburban areas, uh, uh, maybe people in Lorraine who work in Cleveland and say, I'm, I'm really getting hit hard uh, taxed on, on two levels? Well, I- in Lorraine, we have reciprocity. So if you are 
living in Lorraine and working in Cleveland, you're forgiven up to our tax rate for all the taxes you pay to another community. So we do not penalize people for living in Lorraine and working outside the community. We've, we've done that in order to attract people and make Lorraine a more attractive place to want to make their home. Are you worried that uh, this uh, movement may gather steam and get a lot of people, you know, excited? Well, it's something we'll be closely monitoring. Uh, we have a lot of issues on our plate now, and this is another one we'll keep a close eye on and, and maybe get involved in down the road if we have to. All right, and we thank you. Mayor Craig Fulton, who opposes plans to end the so-called commuter tax. You're listening to Sunday Digest. And while we're talking about taxes, hey, it's time to get those income tax returns filed if you haven't done so already. One quick way to do that is with electronic filing. On the line with us now is Dorothy Berry, a spokesperson for the Ohio Office of the Internal Revenue Service. And Dorothy, any idea how many taxpayers have filed their returns at this point? I don't have an exact figure as to how many have filed, but I know that electronically people have filed more this time this year than they did last time this time last year. And it's up it's up over 27% already. So electronic filing is really catching on. Electronic filing is the way to go. And we have several ways that you can do that. You can file over the phone with the telefile. You can file online right over your home computer. Or you can file the traditional electronic way through a tax preparer. Now, filing over the phone, is it uh, possible to, to do something as complicated as, as some returns are over the no, phone? No, the, the, the over the phone is strictly for the simpler returns, the 1040 EZ, um, where there's you know no dependents other than yourself. You can file jointly, and your income's under $50,000. It's the very basic, the very simplest of tax returns is what's allowed on the uh, telefile. And in order to file that, you must have received the package information from us. In other words, we okay those that can file. We give you a special code that you can use on the computer, but it takes less than 10 minutes to do. Filing by phone, sounds, well, that sounds pretty easy if, if you it can do it. It is very easy. A lot more people using that method, too, I would imagine. It, the electronic sources are skyrocketing. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's, it's, it's a safe way. It's easy. It's virtually error-free, plus you get confirmation that your return is received right away. Now, filing via your uh, home computer, there's been a lot of concerns about security on the Internet. Uh, you've yeah, been able to address those? What happens you don't actually send it directly to IRS. You send it to an authorized um, server submitter that is... Uh, has gone through an extensive testing process with the IRS to be allowed to do this. So you, you actually prepare your return through a tax package, send it to this server, and then the server will send it to us. So you can use a, uh, a regular tax program like TurboTax or huh? whatever and, and, and file it uh, and through your computer that way. Yeah, what you can do is once you get, get it done, you can go into our website, and there will be a list of uh, submitters that you can choose from and link up with that. They'll, they'll, they'll take your return and they'll send it to us. Now, what are the advantages over regular tax preparation, the, the old-fashioned paper way and, and electronic filing, other than convenience? It's safe. It's quick. It's easy. And it's virtually error-free. 
Plus, if you do a refund, you get it back in half the time of a paper return. It doesn't cost anymore? It does not cost anymore. If you do it, if you go to a preparer, they charge you a flat fee. Now, what, what fees they set up, that's nothing that we rule over. But the um, electronic filing itself, if you go through the IRS website, there are some servers on there that do charge a fee, and there are some that don't charge a fee. But once you go into the website, it's all the information is there to tell you about the, the, the submitters. So if you don't want to pay a fee, you don't have to. There are submitters out there that do not charge a fee. Of course, sometimes you have to listen to their advertising, but for a free tax return, you know? Yeah. Our website is very easy to remember. It's www.irs.gov. Okay, www.irs.gov or .gov. Or Couldn't be easier. Couldn't be easier, yeah. And a lot more people are getting into this. And then, you know, when you talk uh, Internet and computers, a lot of folks are uh, scared away by technology. They think it may be too complicated. Have you done it? Is it, is it complicated? Is it uh, easier? I think it's easier. Oh. I think it's much easier. The website, if you've never been in that website, you need to check it out because it is very user-friendly. Everything you could ever want to know about the IRS is at your fingertips. We have forms. We have publications. We have bulletins, we have tax code, anything you could want is right there with the click of a mouse. Well, do you think that one day you'll just have a form on your webpage where we can just go in and, like, fill in the blanks and, you know, and away we go? There's no telling what's going to be available in the future. Electronic media is the way that it's going. Wow. that's Well, that sounds like it takes a lot, a lot of the... Uh, well, some of the pain, I guess, out of uh, filing. Well, it takes a lot there. of the pain because <laughs> not only is it is it easier and more accurate, but you don't have to worry about, you know, adding it up. Did you add it right? Did you put it on the right line? Because the computer will do that for you. It math verifies your return, and it automatically puts the figures onto the right line on the return. So there's really no guesswork. Wow. Uh, I think it might put a lot of uh, tax preparers out of business? Actually, no, it's probably doing the opposite. Really? Yeah, because of the, you know, the quickness of the electronic filing. A lot of people just, you know, go in, have somebody make sure that it's right, and then they just let them do it. So it's, I don't think it's going to put anybody out of work. All right. Well, I guess most folks are probably just gearing up to file their taxes. Uh, what are the uh, rules of thumb when getting all that information together, getting your deductions together, your expenses, and the whole bit? The best thing that I can tell you is be organized. Keep your records in order. Um, have everything laid out for you. You know, if you have any questions or concerns, you can always tap into the website. We have uh, a 1 800 number that's uh, available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 1 800 829 1040. We have recorded tax information that is also available 24 hours a day. It's 1 800 829 4477. Um, the website, you can download tax forms and publications to help you out. I remember those long lines of, uh, you know, going uh, downtown to get a form and wait in line. And, uh, <laughs> well, I have to do that now. Just click onto the web and you can get it right away. We also, you can fax. You can request the uh, forms by fax. We have a fax number. It's uh, area code 703-368-9694. That, again, is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
or you can call our forms warehouse. It's 1-800-TAX-FORM. It's 24 hours a day. Mm. And then, of course, you have the website. You can download the information right from the website. Wow. Sounds like uh, customer service is king. It is. It is, exactly. <laughs> Plus, we also have extended walk-in hours for um, about six cities in Ohio. That's Cincinnati, Cleveland, Columbus, Dayton, Toledo, and then Tri-County. So we are really trying to be more accessible to the people out there. There's all kinds of information out there. Just be organized and, and read instructions because everything you need to know to do your tax return is in the instructions. It's in there. Well, we uh, want to thank you for the information. Really appreciate it. Okay. And uh, I guess we'll get to work on those taxes now. Yes. yes. <laughs> Remember, if you have any questions, www.irs.gov. Gotcha. Okay. Dorothy Berry of the Ohio Office of the Internal Revenue Service. You're listening to FM 99.5. From WGAR, this is Sunday Digest with Ken Robinson. Ever wish you could read minds, or at the very least, figure out what's on the minds of other people? Well, Paul Teeger says you can do just that. He's author of the book, The Art of Speed Reading People. He's a personality counselor from Connecticut, and he joins us in the studio Paul, by uh, looking at certain signs, we can quickly assess what people are about? Right. What, what this is really about is uh, being able to identify pretty quickly some important things about people, such as their values, their motivations, their drives, and probably most importantly, their preferred communication style. Uh, and we do this from a variety of clues having to do with their appearance, their energy level, um, their language, sometimes their interests and occupation and body language. And the whole point of this really is not just so you can, you know, mystify your friends at a cocktail party, uh, but really so that you can communicate with people on their level. And it's a wonderful tool for salespeople, managers, teachers, counselors, and, and any of us that really need or like to deal with other people. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned body language. That reminds me of the old body language books back in the early 1970s where right. you would look at someone and if they crossed their arms, that meant something. If they their thumbs, that meant something. Is this anything <clears throat> like that? Well, I think we've come a long way since, I think it was Julius Fast's book, actually, which, which is The Art of Body Language. Um, body language is helpful, but you have to sort of know what you're looking for. In other words, the, the old idea that anyone who's crossing their arms is being defensive and they're, they're not forthcoming isn't necessarily true. I mean, some people have their arms crossed their whole life, and that's the way their musculature <laughs> is at this point. Mm -hmm. So it's natural and comfortable and subconscious, and it doesn't really necessarily reveal anything about them. However, in, in our talk about personality types, there are some people who are much more deliberate. Um, they walk with a much more erect posture. They don't, you know, saunter across the room to get the remote. They kind of charge across there. And those things tell you important things about people's personality types. Now, how long does it take to speed read someone to get a really good assessment of well, their personality? That's a great question. I think it depends on the context. Um, often, the, the short answer is often you can get something very quickly. Um, it might be that they're more of an extrovert, which is a person who's more outgoing and talkative and thinks out loud, or more of an introvert, who's a person who's more internally focused and with uh, kind of private and, and uh, thinks before they, before they act. There's lots of different things you can find, but um, in most cases, you can get something pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Now, we, we often do this uh, without even thinking about it, I mm -hmm. suppose, to a certain degree. We meet someone at a cocktail party or business meeting, and automatically the mind starts to size them up. Sure. But this is like going the extra mile. Well, it's having a, a framework to understand what you're looking at, what that means. You know, if a person is very uh, uh, expressive and they're smiling a lot and they're, 
you know, they seem very friendly. They're probably a feeling type, probably. A feeling type is a person who makes decisions based on their, on their values and pleasing other people. If they don't, if they're not giving you much in the way of emotion, they're probably, but not always, a thinking type. And a thinking type is much more logical and analytical. And so what's the reason, why is this useful? Well, it's useful because what convinces a thinking type and a feeling type are very different things. Mm -hmm. For the feeling type, if you say, you know, this would really help me if you did this. I mean, I've just been thinking about it. It's really important to me. Uh, Can you help me out with this? The feeling type is more likely to say, yeah, because we naturally want to help people. That's what we like to do. Thinking type isn't going to do that unless it makes sense, unless there's a good re- logical reason to do it. They might want to help you, but it's not enough to make them in most decisions. So knowing just that one thing, uh, one thing uh, about somebody can make an enormous difference in persuading them. Now, how deep into one's personality can we go? How deep into their character can we, can we assess what they're all about? Well, uh, there's almost two thoughts you got there. One is, the, one is how deep you can go, and the other is assessing their character. You know, in character, kind of, uh, if you're using character in the way uh, it, with, to mean a person's moral values and things like that, that's a, whole, it's a little different issue. Um, but in terms of understanding wh- how they take in information, what's important to them, whether they're a fact kind of detailed person or a big picture possibility kind of creative person, that you can tell. How they make decisions, like I said, whether they're more logical and, and thinking or more feeling types, that you can tell. You can also tell how they like to kind of order, organize their lives, if they're very serious, planful, decisive people, or if they're more spontaneous, flexible, adaptable people. And in those situations, just doing that can make a big difference when you, you know, some people you, you think you might want to tell a joke to, mm-hmm. you know, you start off in a light mood. Well, for perceiving type, the, the kind that's more flexible and spontaneous, that's a great way to do it because that's the way they are. But for a serious judge, what we call judging type, that might be very inappropriate. And, and if that's your first impression, it might be a very bad first impression. Okay. We're talking to Paul Teeger, who's co-author of the book, The Art of Speed Reading People. I'm Ken Robinson. You're listening to WGAR. I would imagine that this kind of information would be invaluable to salesmen. Absolutely. Who quickly have to assess someone in order to, whether to figure out whether it's worth pursuing to make that sale or if that sale can be made. Absolutely. And, you know, th- the key, Ken, here is that we've all heard the expression, the golden rule, you know, do unto others as you would have done unto you. Mm -hmm. But in communication, it doesn't work that way. It's got to be do unto others as they would like done unto them. (laughs) So we are very, what I call, egocentric communicators in this country. We've got our stuff, and we go out and shoot our style at everybody else. And the people that are most similar to us, we connect with. Mm -hmm. But the people who are very different, we often don't. So this is a great way of being able to modify your own style. It doesn't mean you change your personality. We're not looking at lobotomies here. We're just looking at being able to adjust in certain ways so that the message the person gets is on kind of their wavelength, and you're, you're much more likely to get them to say, yeah, I agree with you. Now, how would you uh, walk us through this uh, sure. speed reading people uh, uh, concept? Let's suppose uh, you have, you're, you're paired with someone on a new work project, right. and you've got to work with this person as a partner on a, on a new project, and you're thinking, well, geez, how do I work with this person? How do I figure out what they're all about? Walk us through the speed-reading people process. Okay, well, based on the clues, in other words, you learn from the book uh, based on appearance, their language, uh, their, their body language, their energy level, you'll learn uh, mostly what that person's personality type is. And a personality type is a four-letter code. Uh, it can mean extrovert or an introvert, what we call a sensor or an intuitive, a thinker or a feeler, and a judger or a perceiver. 
Now, I know that that sounds kind of complicated now, mm-hmm. but it becomes pretty clear in the book because it's real-life examples, and it's not, it's not a textbook. It's very user-friendly. So the idea is that let's say you figure out that the person you're dealing with, um, and you can do this pretty quickly, mm-hmm. is more of an introvert, sensor, which is a practical, realistic kind of person, a thinker, kind of logical, analytical person, and a judger, which is kind of structured, planful, decisive person. Okay? okay. Let's say you're able to figure that out. Well, you would approach that person very, very differently than somebody who was different from that. And here's what you do. First of all, instead of just kind of going in and starting talking about it, which might be your own style if you're more of an extrovert, you, 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 you think about it and you put stuff on paper. Mm. Instead of talking about the vague possibilities like an intuitive will, you talk about the specifics, the facts, the details, the practical realities, how much time it's going to take, how much money it's going to cost, uh, how the resources are going to be allocated, and I put all those things down on paper. And then I would spell out the, the logical consequences. If we do this, kind of the pros and cons. If mm-hmm. we do this, then this is what's going to happen. And I would do it in a very orderly way. I would say, let's talk about this on Tuesday after you've had a chance to think about it. <laughs> and y- you notice what I'm saying uh-huh. is you're, you're really approaching the person in exactly the way they would like the information. So they're, you're, they're, they're much more likely to feel good about it, the information, and you, and more likely to, to have a, a, a cooperative relationship. Mm-hmm. So maybe with the... Uh person with the uh, emotional uh, personality, mm-hmm. you'd say, hey, well, let's go in there and, boy, we've got to do this for the company and rah, rah, rah. You'd probably yeah. appeal to their emotions, I suppose. Yes, you will. I mean, think of what this is going to mean to the employees. Think mm-hmm. about what this is going to do for morale. You know, mm-hmm. people are going to feel so good about this company, they're going to, you can't, you can't put a price tag on loyalty. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of stuff. And I don't mean this in a manipulative way to be insincere or, or ingenuine. I think all these things, these concerns are legitimate. It's just framing the issues in a way that the person's going to feel the best about. Sounds like a tool that we all kind of have to a certain degree, but it, it probably hasn't been developed, and a lot of us don't know how to, to use it to our best advantage. Well, I think everyone, you, you quite, quite rightly point out, Ken, that everyone has got some intuition mm-hmm. and, and kind of does some of this stuff by themselves, but some of us are much better at it than others. For the people who are good at it, this sort of gives you a framework for understanding and, and improving that. Uh, for people who don't do it well, which is really most of us, it's, a, it's like a crash course, like a graduate course in intuition. So it really does give you, um, I think, a very good advantage. Well, we want to thank you for uh, dropping by to tell us about this today. It's my pleasure. My pleasure as well. We've been talking to Paul Teeger, who's co-author of the book, The Art of Speed Reading People. And once again, we want to mention that he has a website, and you can uh, log on and discover things about your own personality and the uh, web address is www.personalitytype.com. Right. Okay. Very good. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Thank you very much, Ken. And that brings us to the close of another Sunday Digest program. Glad to have you on board. Hey, if you have any comments or questions about our show, you can give me a call at area code 216-328-9950, extension 338. Or you can email at Ken Robinson at Prodigy.net. Stay tuned. Ted Lux and Community Forum is coming up next right here on WGAR. I'll see you next week on Sunday Digest. This has been Sunday Digest with WGAR's Ken Robinson, a public affairs presentation of 99.5 WGAR. The views and opinions expressed on the show were those of the participants and not necessarily those of WGAR, its staff, and management. Join us next week for another edition of Sunday Digest.
Welcome to Ken's Corner. I'm Ken Robinson. Some older cancer patients are reportedly being denied aggressive, potentially life-saving treatment simply based on age. Dr. Ashley Roscoe of Ohio State University says some hospitals put age limits on things like chemotherapy, wrongly assuming that older patients are too frail to tolerate it. I think historically it has been true that, you know, treatment decisions were based upon chronologic age. Things are changing across hospital systems and across clinical trial applications, but certainly historically chronologic age was used to be able to make decisions for patients. Roscoe says a better way to determine the best cancer treatment option for a senior is to look at the patient's overall health. Their physical activity, nutrition, their caregiver support at home, other medical conditions that they have, their memory, and how they're able to cope with their illness. She says many people born on the same calendar year can have very different biological ages. Studies have suggested that a dog's nose can pick up the subtle smell of cancer. Dr. Peter Mazzoni with the Cleveland Clinic is leading research on a device that tries to mimic a dog's super sense of smell. We've tried to replicate that by using various types of sensing devices that act much like a dog's nose. They can detect these chemicals in very, very low concentrations. Dr. Mazzoni says studies done on breath testing show it can detect lung cancer with a high degree of accuracy. The research hasn't given up on it. It's still moving forward and, and we're still quite hopeful that one day we'll be able to look for cancer uh, in a means similar to what the dog can do. Several research studies suggest that dogs may be able to pick up chemical compounds present in melanoma, prostate cancer, bladder cancer, as well as lung and breast cancer. Thanks for stopping by Ken's Corner. And please subscribe to our podcast series, The Ken Robinson Shows. If you're tired of outrageously expensive cell phone bills, come on over to Mint Mobile. Talk, text, and data plans just start at $15 a month. There are no contracts. Sign up and Mint will send you a SIM card. Just insert it into your phone. You can even keep your old number. So don't make your cell phone provider rich. Keep that money in your wallet. Go to krobcollection.com for details on Mint Mobile.